Welcome to the start of the spring quarter of the Southwest Church of Christ Adult Bible Classes. Uh, we're going to be continuing on with some of the D6 lessons that accompany and uh, coordinate with the children's curriculum. Uh, my name is Jonathan Dandy, and today we're going to be studying Matthew's account of the Transfiguration. And I think uh, the Transfiguration is uh, a very interesting event in Jesus's ministry. It's it's pretty unique. And is one of the places, uh, one of the main themes that we're going to look at today is how it affirms to uh, the witnesses that were there at the time, Peter, James, and John, uh, that Jesus is God's son and is, in fact, God. And also, um, then through them and through their ministry, uh, it, it conveys that same message to us today. Uh, so the, some of the, the time frame that the transfiguration happens, it seems like it's um, towards the end of Jesus' ministry, not too long. I don't know how long, but not too long before his crucifixion. And it comes right after both, uh, both Matthew and uh, Luke make a, a real point to say that there was a conversation Jesus had with his disciples uh, very soon before the transfiguration. We, we see that at the end of Matthew 16, for example. Uh, he's talking to his disciples and letting them know that uh, the, that he was going to be crucified and that he but that he was going to rise again. And uh, it also occurs uh, we see in, in the book of Luke that it occurs pretty soon after Peter confirms that he believes Jesus is the Christ. And uh, I always oh, see that we see that in Matthew 16 as well. And and um, and then <laughs> right after that, uh, when Jesus tells him that he is going to be uh, killed, Peter uh, says, no, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And then Jesus has to rebuke him. So uh, kind of a lot, a lot there for the disciples to be chewing on. And, and in particular, Peter, who's kind of put himself out there um, and, and was rebuked by Jesus. And then we read at the beginning of... Matthew 17, how Jesus takes his inner circle with him, Peter, James, and John. These three men were uh, some of his, his, his kind of his closest friends, maybe, uh, on, on earth. And they were with him. Uh, they were the closest to him when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And um, they were the three that, that Jesus chose to go with him up on a high mountain. And uh, this seems like it's an overnight event. Uh, we see that the disciples were getting sleepy and they kind of you know, woke up and found, uh, found the transfiguration in process and that it wasn't until the next day that they went down from the, the mountain with Jesus. So, um, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing. The transfiguration, transfiguration itself is a pretty remarkable event. Uh, you know, I just imagine you're up there with Jesus, you're, you're, you're Peter, you're James or John, and, and you're, you're kind of dozing off a little bit, uh, cause it's late at night and, you wake up and there's this bright light. I mean, this is at a time before electric lights. The, the, there were there might have been some fires, you know, or lamps in in the cities, but they're up on a mountain in the middle of nowhere, and there is this bright light that they're woken up to. Uh, how startling that was! I like in, in Luke it talks about when <laughs> they became fully awake, and I bet they did. Uh, that would have been a pretty uh, a pretty memorable event and a, a pretty shocking event in, in the moment for sure. So let's start. Let's start reading the text. So, reading the text, um, starting in chapter seventeen, verse one, and I'm reading from the 1984 NIV version. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. 
There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. I want to stop right there and, and just dwell a little bit on this transfiguration. It's, it's, it's amazing. And, um, you know, one, one thing to point out is the, the word transfigured here that, that we have in this translation. It's the same root word that the word that the metamorphosis comes from. And so there's this dramatic radical change that, that is implied by, by the phrase and, you know, and it would be dramatic. It says that he shone like the sun, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And uh, he's glowing. He's um, become a light source. And that's not a normal thing for, for that happens to people, obviously. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what that signifies here in a minute. Uh, but I'm just go back to this this uh, this metamorphosis idea, uh, just this transformation that happens here. And uh, yes, that does mean that in that image, that you and I, our bodies that we have now, we're, those are kind of like the caterpillars. And you know, I know that we're looking forward to new bodies and a new heaven and a new earth. And so um, I think uh, we caterpillars can uh, look forward to the same sort of transformation uh, that you know, kind of like something like Jesus had here. So, um, so you know, I, I was thinking about, it, as I was preparing for this, I, I was just thinking a little bit about the significance of Jesus shining. I mean, there's lots of ways, I suppose he could have been transfigured, but the, the, I think it's very important that he was shining and um, a source of light. And and the, the thing is, is that that is, light has always been, um, one of the attributes of God. If you look at Genesis chapter one, verse four, the first thing that God says is let there be light. And so at his word, light, light comes to creation. Uh, then you go in, even in, in revelation at the very end of the Bible. Um, in chapter one, we see that Jesus's face was like the sun shining again, same words that, that, uh, happened here on the transfiguration. And in, in the, Revelation chapter 22, it tells us in heaven, there'll be no need for the sun that the Lord God will give them light. So you see this basic, um, seems like it's one of the basic attributes and basic properties of God is that he emits light. And Jesus here also emitting light in the transfiguration is another way to communicate that Jesus is God. And he is this, he is God's son and is, uh, has the same nature uh, that, that God has. So, you know, and, and I, I think this, it's just a really interesting concept, you know, I mean, wh where there's light, nothing can be hidden. Um, and darkness loses when, if light and darkness come into conflict, light is light is it's light. Um, and, and that's, I think that's one of the, that is a really exciting attribute of God. And it's, it's really telling about uh, his ultimate victory and about, his ability to make everything plain and everything clear. And, um, we, it is, is also something that we are called to, uh, to reflect. You know, we, if you remember Moses, when he was in the presence of God, his face was shining and to the extent that, um, he had to wear a veil. And in that case, it was a little bit like the moon kind of reflecting God's light and, um, you know, God's the source of light and, the, and we are, we are to, Two, our, you know, Jesus says that, that we are the light of the world in the Sermon on the Mount. And Paul asks us to live as children of the light. 
And in First John, we read that we're to walk in the light. And so the light is to be a very important part of our ministry as well. Um, and, you know, and another, some other, other key verses that, that maybe come to mind, Psalm 119 uh, says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And, you know, so we, we see that the Bible can give light to our paths. It can help us to know where to go. Um, and, you know, in, in John 2, uh, Jesus also claims, you know, I am the light of the world. And you see that acted out or, or you see that um, demonstrated in a very clear way in, in this account of the transfiguration. All right, well, let's, let's continue on in the text, uh, picking up at, at verse 3. It says, Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. All right, let me pause right there again. And, uh, you know, let's let's talk about what just happened. So Jesus is up there. His face was shining. And then Moses and Elijah appear. And we learn in, in Luke uh, that they were talking about Jesus' upcoming departure, um, which just shows us that the uh, his resurrection... Uh, his death, burial, and resurrection were near. And uh, it's just uh, amazing to picture Moses and Elijah just uh, <laughs> chatting with Jesus up there on the mountain in the bright light in the middle of the night. Uh, and, you know, there's a few things, a few things that, that I think are significant about this. You know, Moses uh, was the giver of the law. He's the one who brought the law down uh, to the Israelites. Elijah is kind of considered one of the foremost prophets and a precursor of the Messiah um, in, in many ways. And so we have the law and the prophets are represented by the personages of Moses and Elijah. Um, the other thing is that, you know, they're re they were there. And so this that is another way to affirm that resurrection is real. God is not the God of the dead, but the living. Uh, and it, it foreshadows, in a sense, Jesus's resurrection on the earth uh, as well. So it's... Um, really, again, another emphasis on how that um, God has the ultimate victory, that he, the victory over death is in specifically. Uh, and, and I think, you know, Mike Anderson pointed out to me one, uh, also that, you know, while uh, during his life on earth, Moses didn't make it into the promised land. But here we have an account where he he was able to to, to, to be at the promised land, speaking with the Messiah, uh, no less. So I'm sure that was um a very personally rewarding for him. So Peter, you know, is always seems like he he's going to do something and he's a man of action. Uh, the thinking can happen later sometimes with Peter. Uh, but I, you know, I, I really, I really, I sympathize with him. I think he, he's appreciating this moment and maybe he wants it to last. Um, he wants to provide honor to, uh, you know, to Jesus, Moses and Elijah. Um, and, you know, so so he suggests building a, a, a shelter, which is not the plan, um, and that's uh, it, it. Kind of was ignored his proposal, <laughs> but uh, 
But um, right right after he says that, though, we, we th- then we have the the presence in the cloud again, reminding us a little bit about the presence of God in the leading the Israelites out of Egypt. That that was that was one of these signs of his presence was a cloud, and out of this cloud, it's a bright cloud. So again, more light. Out of this cloud comes a voice. Uh, echoing some of what was said at Jesus' baptism. This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. And it adds this command, listen to him. And uh, of course, listen to him. He, he is my son. Uh, he I, I am well pleased with him. He is saying the right things. And so, you know, as, as you, as you kind of consider what it might have been like for Peter, James, and John to be there and observe this and uh, what what an impression that would have made! What an impression that would have made! And uh, it well, and we learn that right away in verse six that they fell face down to the ground, terrified. And that seems to be a normal reaction, you know. If, if you remember, the people in the book of Exodus didn't were they were scared of get, becoming in the presence of God and and wanted Moses. We're very glad that Moses went and did that for them. And often, you know, when angels appear, there's they they have to tell people not to be afraid. And you see the same thing going on here, that there, it is just a, a frightening experience and, and uh, confronting, you know, with, with the presence of God, hearing the very words of God. Uh, Jesus comes and comforts them, and he says, get up, and uh, that, that this kind of concludes that, that portion of their, of their experience. And um, I think this is something that's going to stick with these disciples their whole life, of, of course. And uh, so we'll, we'll talk in a minute about uh, some of the impacts that, that that maybe had that we can observe and, and we can tell from uh, other scriptures. But uh, let's finish up the section here, reading uh, starting in verse 9 uh, through 13. It says, As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, Why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. So I really like the uh, how Jesus, as as he so often does, takes this moment to to further instruct, I mean, to comfort them. He... um, you know, he, he, he again tells them not to be afraid and is, is walking down the mountain with them. Uh, Luke tells us it's the next day. And they, uh, he, he, so he's instructing them, just, just wait. This is, this is something that I want you to share, but not until after I've risen from the dead. And uh, later on, he refers to his death again by saying that he's going to suffer the same way that John the Baptist suffered. Uh, and the disciples have a question, and, and so so that they work through it. So uh, there's a prophecy in Malachi chapter four about Elijah coming, and then and Jesus is, is letting them know that hey, uh, John John was the Elijah. If that's uh, if you'll accept it, and um, so just just using that as a as a teaching moment here. Um, and I, I just uh, you know I I think that this is one of the one of the things that Jesus did, and and that it was accomplished through this was the confirmation and just the certainty that you would have if you if you witness this that Jesus was the son of god i mean there's there's over time you know i'm sure they had lots of opportunities to see that Jesus was a fully a man uh, and you know traveling with them they ate with him i'm sure they saw him get hurt tired 
all those sorts of things. And that here they, they've also seen that, yes, that is true, but he's also fully God. And I, that made a real impact on their ministry. Uh, we see a direct reference to it in, in 2 Peter 1, 16 through 18, where Peter says, hey, uh, we saw it with our own eyes, uh, the, 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 the trans, referring to the transfiguration. Um, a lot of many think that the book of Mark was written based on, uh, in part at least, on Peter's testimony and Peter's account of the events, and so we see it. Uh, we see the transfiguration in the book of Mark. I think it's really interesting that that John, who was there at the transfiguration, does not explicitly include this account in his gospel, but uh, he does include uh, a statement in the in, in his first chapter, uh, verse nine. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into this world, and and he he does really expand on the theme of of Jesus being the light uh, in his gospel, uh, and as well as the first couple chapters of First John. There's just a number of references to God's light, and I can just imagine the transfiguration in John's mind as he's writing this letter, as he, and as he wrote his his gospel. So I, you know, to wrap up, I think that this is one of the places that that the Bible is extremely clear that Jesus is the Son of God. I mean, it's also there when you look at the miracles that he did uh, and when you look at his, his claims and his teachings, uh, John John captures a lot of Jesus' claims to be God. Um, so we can have confidence that Jesus is the Son of God and that when he came on earth, it, it was Emmanuel, God with us, and that he is still with us today. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the study as much as I did.